It's uh, wonderful to be here again in your church and uh, in my role as well as being part of the church at Stirling, I also chair our denomination in South Australia, West Australia, Northern Territory, so look after some uh, 40 or 50 or so of our churches and outreaches uh, through those states and uh, in that role get the chance to move around a lot of our churches, increasingly so because uh, in fact in two weeks time I'm finishing my employed employment at the Source Church. I'll continue on being part of that, that, uh, that church but We'll be entering those wonderful years of retirement, whatever that looks like. Pastor Bill Vasilakis, who you'll be having here in a few weeks' time, reminds me there's no such thing as retirement. Well, I think, David, you've testified to the fact that it actually is a good stage of life to come into. David Smythe, I'm speaking to. So. But, you know, it is, it is important. Uh, life is full of transition and change. And you can see up there I've put an unusual... Uh, slide up for where I want to head with you this morning. I, I am denied about whether I put that picture up or one that was the opposite of that, which was an old guy playing with building blocks, you know, and toys on the floor. And uh, I chose this one because it was more positive. It's about actually advancing yourself beyond where you should be. But I could have easily have put the other picture up as well, which was about someone who was old who was still acting as if they were very, very young and filled with immaturity. So um, I want to talk around the, the challenge of growing up because it actually never stops for us. And here I am at this juncture in my life and I'm speaking to you as well as to me about the challenge of continuing to grow. And, um, and uh, the subtext to what I want to share about this morning is really taking responsibility for ourselves. Because that is so important. So oftentimes, as we look at our lives, we compare ourselves today to the people that are around about us and say, if only I could be like that. And those comparisons are, also, in one sense, always very futile. It's good to have examples and role models, but there can be a profound dissatisfaction as you compare yourself to the people around about you. Whereas the greater challenge is actually to look at yourself and where you were yesterday and say, am I in a different place today? And I want to talk about personal responsibility for growing up because the reality is you're in charge of your life, nobody else is. And uh, there is a pathway that God has invited us on that takes us from the, from the frustrated level at which most of humanity exists because of the curse of sin that shrouds our world. And Christ came into this world to show a better way and to give us the power and the capacity to fulfill our lives to a whole new level of meaning and purpose. That's the great adventure of the Christian life. It's why this, this church exists. It's to help us on a journey that makes us more like what God intended us to be. And so my encouragement to you this morning, I don't want it to sound negative, grow up, grow up, will you? You know, not like that sense, but hey, grow into all that God has for you and to see where you can go as individuals and as a church as you fulfill more and more of what your destiny is in God. To me, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, the Christian life's pretty boring, and you know? it's just same old, same old. And I think, well, the problem is really with you. It's not with God. Because the nature of God is that he continually invites us on an adventure that will allow us to see more of who and what we can be. As we go through this morning, I may have some specific words for folks. And I, lo I love doing that as I travel around our, our churches. And uh, I love giving scripture to people because to me, if you can build your life on the word, you've got a foundation. Um, the grass withers and the words of Hans will fail, but the Word of God will stand forever. You know, that's an adaption of Isaiah 40 verse 8, I think it is. You know, but uh, th there's power in the Word of God. And as you build your foundation and as you start to grow in your understanding of what God's Word is, He can take you on an, an amazing pathway forward. Uh, can I just share something with you, Wayne, right at the start? Um, and this may seem an unusual word. Fiona's going to write these scriptures down for you. And it's great to have my wife with me today. She said to me, this is the first time I've been to this church. I can't believe that. But 
it's 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 probably I'm sure she's she's right about it. I've been here so many times, but because she's very committed into our own church as well, she doesn't always get the chance to to move around with me. So it's great to have her here. But she'll write down some of these scriptures, and I write a lot of these verses out before I come. But I just believe, in a sense, prophetically, that maybe this may be pertinent to you, Wayne. And the statement, I, the, the thought that came to me as, as you were just leading before is, I saw a picture of you going, oh, no. Oh, no. And then, and then I saw it as well as, oh, no. Oh, no. It was like that tension that we all live in between the things that can overwhelm us at times and that sense of where God would want to say, look, look, and the elation that can come in life as you suddenly start to see things fall into place. Um, I don't know a lot about you, but from what I understand, you carry levels of responsibility not only in this church but in life. So I'm sure there's some oh no moments. Uh, But there's also some great oh no moments, moments where God would want to encourage you and uh, that life isn't always intended to be tough but is also to be filled with lots of opportunities of joy and and positivity. And I I feel like this morning God would just want to encourage you that in the tension of those two feelings, God remains the constant bedrock to your life and that whatever the circumstances you come into, there are larger hands than yours that are guiding your destiny. And Proverbs 19 verse 21 says that many are the plans of man's heart but it's God's purpose that will prevail. And I, I, I know you know that, but I feel like God wants to reinforce that in your life this morning. Um, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeals that come upon you. This stuff that happens in all our lives. Look, life, God doesn't promise us rosy. This growing up thing can be pretty tough. This growing up thing can challenge you. Uh, and, and life is part of a of both highs and lows. And, and the, the powerful thing is of having God in your life is that he, he's there in your lows and he's there in your highs. He's there in the oh no's and he's there in the oh no's. And so, you know, uh, don't be surprised when stuff happens. But Isaiah 60 and verse 20 says, but the days of sorrow will end. Nothing goes on forever. There is an end to seasons. We're in a terrible drought in many parts of our country, but historically it will end. (laughs) It may be terrible in the process, but these things too will pass. Nehemiah 6.8 is a really important verse, and it's probably true. By the way, if I share these verses for Wayne and you think, gee, I wish he'd given them to me, well, go up to him afterwards and say, can I have a copy of them? Because this is God's word for you as well. And maybe some of these words as I share them this morning may impact you in a personal way and you want to reflect on it. Nehemiah 6.8 is one of those verses that I think we can all relate to. Nehemiah is building the walls and, and he's overwhelmed by the, pos- the challenges and responsibilities that are his. And, and the word of God comes to him and says, nothing like what is happening is, is actually happening. You're just making it up in your head. There's stuff that we do that is just a fig, uh, is part of our imagination, but that imagination can easily be, lead us down a pathway downwards of, oh no, or it can also lead us up to, a, oh no. And uh, that's a great verse for many of us here this morning. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, Perfect love, it casts out all fear. And the presence of God, even in the darkest of hours, allows us to uh, find a poise and a divine balance that's just, Wonderful to, to observe in others and to experience ourselves. Isaiah 35 and verse 4 says, Say to those with a fearful heart, be strong and do not fear for the Lord will come. That's a great promise for you, Wayne, this morning. Isaiah 33 verse 6 and the, it says, The fear of the Lord remains the key. I know you know that, but just there's a key that you've got and it will unlock doors as you not fear in, in angst, but fear in awe and wonder at the God that's working with you. Two more verse, or one more verse, Jeremiah 31, 12, and says you will come out with shouts of joy and you don't need to sorrow anymore. 
Does that connect with you at all? I don't know what you're going through, but if this is God speaking to you, take it on board. And if it's right for now, take it. If it's maybe for the times ahead, reflect on these scriptures because they are God's word for you. Does that connect with you? Good. Why don't you uh, raise your hands out towards uh, Wayne and we just pray for him, Lord, this morning in Jesus' name. Let this word just be a word that just allows him to know that there are larger hands than his that are guiding his destiny. And that through the oh no's and through the oh no, the excitements and the challenges of life, may he just know that bedrock solidarity of who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go along, I may feel some words for people. And likewise, at the end of the service, um, it'd be a privilege for Fiona and I to continue to minister to many of you here um, because we may not necessarily have the time as the service unfolds now. Um, there are roadblocks that can appear in our lives. And a roadblock can be temporary or it can be permanent. And I just want you to reflect on your life this morning and are there some things that have roadblocked your pathway forward towards growth? Um, Fiona and I, in a couple of weeks' time, are heading off to Sri Lanka and, and we lead a team. A lot of our mission work, as yours is in Myamna, our mission work has been focused for, for many decades in Sri Lanka and we've taken scores of people from our church there and we're leading a team again in a couple of weeks' time. Sri Lanka, if you can remember, was in the midst of civil war until very recently, a horrendous struggle that went on for nearly two decades. Hundreds of thousands of people were lost, killed, no one knows where they are. Hundreds of thousands of them ended up as refugees around the world, many in our own country. It was and continues to still be a land of tension. Um, peace now, but at some price. Um, but you would you would go in those war years, and I travelled there in the midst of a lot of that civil war period through the 90s and into the early, early uh, part of this century, uh, and you you hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and some of them were of, were serious. Like you would stop there for maybe an hour or two as they unpacked every bit of your. Uh, luggage and check through everything. I remember a, a horrific scene, or well, it was horrific in the sense of just the sheer magnitude of it. Uh, this mag- big lorry full of rice and, and loaded up with all these bags of rice, and these guys were having to tip out every bag of rice uh, to check if there was contraband in it, and then another person was bagging it back up again. Like it was, you know, days of work. But of course, that was one of the ways that often contraband was taken through uh, the checkpoints. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, but the picture is there are roadblocks that can be really big or they can be just the, you know, there's been a, um, you know, an animal walking across the road and someone's put their hand up and says, stop for a moment, you know. It's everything like that. But there are things that for some of you have become permanent spots where you have remained. And there's others of you that are facing perhaps some things right now, but God's saying it's time to push through those things and to move on to all that I have you have for you. And I want to ask the question a bit this morning, why aren't you moving on? And what would the Holy Spirit want to do to encourage you as a church and as individuals to keep progressing in him? Because there's still so much more ahead for you. If you want to grab hold of the future, you've got to let go of the past. And maybe you're aware that there are places where you've, you've put down your roots that are not actually where God wants you to stay. And they may be roadblocks that have been there that have held you back. And this morning, could the Holy Spirit come and just breathe upon you afresh and take you on to the journey of where you are yet to be? We come to an end of this year uh, rapidly. And there are things that you set in, perhaps in motion at the start of this year, hoping that this, that's what this year would look like. And it hasn't been realized. And maybe there are things that have roadblocked you, that have stopped you, that have held you back. And the Holy Spirit this morning would say, there's an adventure of life that I want to take you on. Don't be held back. Continue to grow up and grow forward into all that I have for you. 
in the 1980s particularly, I think it was, or maybe even in the early 90s, you'd go into many people's homes and they'd have that poem on the back of their toilet doors called Footsteps in the Sand. you remember that? And it was sort of, you know, this lovely picture of uh, people walking along the beach, two sets of footprints, and then suddenly there was only one. And the poem basically said, where were you, God, just at the moments of crisis? You disappeared. And he said, no, they're my footprints, and I was actually carrying you at that time. Do you remember the, you remember the poem? Footprints in the Sand. Well, I, I recently read or heard uh, another version of that, which seemed to trigger off thoughts for in, in the context of this morning. And I want to read it to you. One night I had a wondrous dream, one set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not alone along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're too big for my feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired and I got fed up and there I dropped you on your butt. (laughs) Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt appearance in the sand. (laughs) Now that's important. You know, you can't leave footprints in the sand if you're sitting on your butt. you don't remember anything else from today, remember that. Uh, Have you allowed yourself to just plonk down in a spot and God is actually extending his hand towards you and saying, could you move forward? Could you come on in where I am? Because the adventure of the Christian life never leaves us where we are and God's heart is always so that we can move forward. Here's a couple of verses that just emphasize that to us in Romans Chapter 1 and verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now that last statement, of course, became the very anchor point to much of what was the Reformation as as Martin Luther gained a, a real understanding of the just shall live by faith. But the early part is where I'm putting the focus in that verse this morning, from faith to faith. In other words, you think you've reached it and then God says, no, there's more to reach. You think you're at one level, but hey, there's still another step forward. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are, you can move from faith to faith. For myself, I'm looking forward to what the new year is going to hold for me, what the times ahead are going to be. I want to continue to grow up into all that I can be in Christ. Here's the other verse. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with open faces behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord and are being changed, here it says, from glory to glory through the Spirit of the Lord. If your Christian life is static, if you're feeling like it's not going anywhere fast, the issue is not with God, it's with you. And the challenge this morning for you as a church is at whatever age you may be, and you may have all sorts of reasons why you think this you, you're, you, you should stay where you are. But God says no, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Because that's the nature of his, of his, life, of his walk. Uh, I love this verse as well, and I love the way it's, it's, uh, it's put in the, uh, the Message Bible. Philippians 3, well-known passage where it talks about pressing on towards the goal, running the race. He says it like this, Eugene Peterson. By the way, pray for him. I understand he may be in his last days of life at the moment. So an awesome man who's impacted the Christian world profoundly through his book, The Message, but also through many of his pastoral books and references. So I've got my eye, he says, on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. To Jesus, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those who want everything God has for us. Do you want everything God has for you? Then there's a pathway. God is beckoning us onward. If any of you have something else in mind, God will clear your blurred vision and you will yet see it. This morning, open that blurred vision. Where could you be? 
Maybe it's a concern you have for your partner sitting next to you or for your children or for situations that you're involved in in your extended family. Could God work there to transform and change? You bet he can because his nature and his, his ideal for humanity is to take us on from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And until we all look and are like Jesus, there's still a pathway forward for us that actually is becoming more and more what he intended us to be right from the beginning. So this morning, as you reflect here, maybe you're stuck, roadblocked by a few of these situations or issues, security issues. Now, this is one that really is where I often get stuck <laughs> because I, 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 I don't like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a bit risk averse. How many of you can are in that boat? You know, you, you like to do things when you know that they're going to work. Uh, some of that's ego issues because you don't like failing or making a fool of yourself, but it's also something actually fundamental to the way that you're wired as a personality or character. And I'm very grateful I'm married to Fiona because she often lifts me out of that risk-averse arena and says, yeah, come on, let's do it. And she has kicked me along numbers of points in, in our lives. And I'm very grateful that in... Me breaking and pulling her back has also been important at times as her pulling and leading me forward. And, you know, both have their attention to them, but it's, 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 it's right. I know for myself that the, the security issues have often held me back. You might look at me and think, well, you don't seem to be that way, but it's true. Uh, I remember when I first came, it was... Considering moving from Victoria where I met Fiona and where our first three sons were born, we have four sons and now a whole heap of, of daughters-in-law and grandchildren as well, but uh, three of our sons were born in Melbourne and uh, our life was getting pretty comfortable, uh, secure. <laughs> uh, and it would have been easy to become stuck at that point. And yet God started agitating things in our lives about moving to join David Smythe and a bunch of others in what was the beginnings of Christian Family Centre, of which you've become a part of. And some of the faces here were part of that church or were part of that period of my involvement back in the uh, late, uh, late 80s, early 90s, in Christian Family Centre, just after it moved into the premises that it sat in Seton. And it was a privilege to be part of that. But I know getting to that point, took two years of rather tormented working through because of the security issues in my life. Now, I was prepared to make change, and I'm still prepared to make change, but I know sometimes my default position is to just pull back. And maybe you're in that place. I know as I contemplate what the next couple of years are going to look like, at times there's a bit of panic that sets in, and I think, gosh, how are we going to survive? And I know for Fiona that's been part of her dilemma of what the next years are going to look like as I come off a, a support and a stipend and we come into another season of our lives with a pension and whatever else financially that may look like and you go, oh gosh. At our pastor's conference uh, in the middle of the year, earlier year, our state conference, uh, we had a, a, an amazing speaker come, Richard Green, who moved very prophetically as well. And at one point, he's just starting off speaking, and I, uh, I was sort of sitting about where you are, and Fiona was sitting here. We weren't actually sitting right together. And, uh, and he turned to Fiona and he says, and you're not to worry about the future. And we had just been having all this angst about what on earth is retirement going to look like and what is it going to look like. I, I've known that God has wanted me to, to put a line in the sand about my employment at, at, at the church at the source. I've been there 28 years and it's been my privilege to have been supported by that church. But I, there are a lot of young emerging leaders and others that I feel I've got to make room for. And part of that challenge is to say, okay, somewhere you've got to draw a line in the sand and say it's time to move on. And we've been contemplating this, but for Fiona, uh, you know, and the, she does a lot of our bills and all that sort of stuff at home, and she's going, oh, I don't know, what the, how are we going to do this? How is this, how is this going to outwork? Maybe you're in a situation where you just don't know what your financial security is going to be or what the future is going to look like. 
But you know, as, as uh, we were at that conference, he turns around and says to her, and you're not to worry about the future. And, he said, and then he found out who she was, that she belonged to me, and, and then it became sort of, you know. But, you know, worrying about the future is a, is a big deal thing. And then he said something really amazing. He says, and he says this seems a bit out of left field. And uh, he says, I've, I've got a really unusual thought, but Prague, does that mean anything? Prague. And we nearly dropped off our tree because we're going into long service leave after we've been to Sri Lanka. And we made a decision that we would go to Europe, uh, visit a lot of my family, and, Fiona, and we said, where, where would we like to have Christmas this year? And we just decided that we would have it on the few days before we'd go to Prague. And Fiona had booked a hotel on the Char- near the Char- right next to the Charles Bridge, literally from here to that outside there, away from the end of it. And he says, and, and Charles Bridge is going to be really important for you. You need to go. Now, of all the places in the world that he could have talked about, he picks Prague and Charles Bridge. And we sat, sat there and went, <laughs> And then he said something else. He says, and when he, talking about me, gets really grumpy with you in the car because you're losing your way, you're not to get upset. Oh, isn't that what he said? Oh, that I still love you. Well, I do. You know that. <laughs> I thought he was giving me a license for being getting upset. How many of you, you know, The funny thing about that was that just a couple of weeks ago, Fiona had preached in church and talked about the biggest fight we've ever had in our lives, I think, almost. In fact, our little young son, our younger son, who was still about 14 there and sat in the back, said, are you guys going to divorce? That's what it was, you know, like... Have you ever travelled in a country where you don't know the roads and it's raining and you can't read the signs? And anyway, it wasn't wasn't pretty. So, and we repented pretty quickly. It only lasted an hour or two, but it was enough. And and he says, and when he gets grumpy driving in the car, you're not to worry, or you're not to, and he still loves you. And it was like, wow, Prague driving in the car was like, I was back there with you. When you travelled in Europe before, and I was sitting in the back seat, I knew what was going on. And and, and I'm going to be with you in your holiday that you're planning. And I know the detail of it. Don't you think I'll be with you in your future? And it was like like this great sense of peace. I think came upon us, huh, Fiona, that the God, a bit like what I just said to you, larger hands than ours are guarding our destiny. And for you here this morning, uh, this is not just some, you know, get the whip out, you've got to grow up. This is about God just wooing us forward and saying, I've got so much more ahead for you if you just come on the journey with me. And have you allowed yourself to become roadblock because of issues of security? Or maybe it's issues of pride. Uh, where your own ego and your sense of saving face and your identity and your self-worth is all tied up in where you are. You know, we've been working through a situation in, in, a, in an extended member, member of our family, you know, who is just roadblocked by issues of pride. And it's affected a whole range of things that have just spilled over into his own kids, into the extended family, because he is so stubbornly tied up in his own ego issues that he, he's not wrong everybody else. Is. You know, and it's so sad when you see people making those sorts of those sorts of assumptions. You know, when you when you're mixing with people, assume that the person you're talking to might know something you don't. And that that person, however uh, annoying and frustrating they may be, may be being used by God to show you something that you don't yet know. Because the reality is everybody in this room knows something that I don't. And if I work with you and live with you, you, I can learn from you. If I have an attitude that says, okay, how can I, even from this person, gain something that can change and transform me? Because the issue is God will work all things for your good. Everything can come together in a way that can take you on the journey of growth. But ego issues, pride issues can block us and hold us in one mindset, in one position of, you know, I'll never say I'm sorry because it's not I'm right. You know, and the issue is not 
the the key issue often is resolving the problem, not not winning the argument. The key issue is to actually grow towards the goal, to press on, not remain roadblocked around an issue of ego that says this is where I am, this is what defines me, and I'm not I'm not giving up because I'm right. It's better to be loving than right. And sometimes in the issues of forcing our rightness, we destroy love and we become roadblocked ourselves around attitudes of bitterness and harshness of heart that just stops us from becoming all God wants us to be. And God says this morning to us, break loose of that pride and that ego and those things that can hold you back. Or maybe the third thing that I've got up here is, is trust issues, where it's, it's just the issue of control, the issue of surrender. Um, maybe you've gone through betrayal. Maybe you've gone through failure. Maybe you've gone through some things that have made you now very cautious about embracing the future and you, because you don't trust anymore. Well, may Holy Spirit just come and breathe afresh upon your life this morning because some of you have allowed yourselves to become defined by issues that have gone wrong and have frustrated you and made you shrink back into a shell which isn't a place of faith to faith but doubt to doubt and you're spiralling downwards. You see, there's, there's a force at work in our world. I've sometimes called it the law of spiritual entropy. Entropy, the law of, in physics, the law of entropy is that things, energy can get lost from a system. Things naturally of themselves wind down. They don't get better. You boil a kettle, it doesn't stay hot, it gets cooler. You weed your garden and a few months later you have to weed it again. You know, stuff winds down. Things move towards decay. And we have this notion somehow in, in life that things will get better. That somehow humanity is intended to be great and good, whereas the Word of God declares the opposite story. It says that there is things that are actually winding down. And that unless there's the injection of God's presence and power into our world, things will continue to wind down. But when you put energy into a system, it can actually warm up the kettle. It can clear the garden of weeds. But it takes energy. It takes personal responsibility it takes you saying I'm not going to be defined by where I've been I'm going to become what God intends me to be can I just share a couple of words along these three points perhaps with some of you um, is it Wendy the piano player who was playing no 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 sorry the, the worship leader Kathy Sorry, Kathy. Kathy, I just share a, a word with you. Um, and I don't know which of these particularly connects with you here, but I know there's many roadblocks that we all. Uh, look, I'm not pointing the finger at any one of you here this morning. I'm pointing the finger at all of us. And as I point, as I point at maps at some of you, there's three of them going back towards me, okay? So, you know, I'm very aware that him who has no sin cast the first stone. We're all in the process of life here and we're in the journey of growth and development. And Kathy, Kathy? Yeah, I was right, sorry. Kathy, um, you know, the picture that I had as you were leading this worship this morning was like a patchwork quilt. You know, you, when you see one of some of those beautiful quilts, they're put together with bits of cloth that are taken from all sorts of arenas of life and they're sewn together and the fragmented bits and pieces that don't seem to make sense together, when put together, create a beauty of themselves. And there's, there's maybe stuff that's happened in your life that's a bit patchworky or maybe there's tension in some of those things or things that, you know, you wished could have just been more uniform, but they're brought together in a way that now uh, create, God creates into a, gives new meaning and significance to. And, you know, when you see a beautiful patchwork quilt, it's, it's, it's filled with handiwork. It's filled with just uh, the skill of the person who's made it. And God is skillful, and he's putting things together in your world and life in a way that brings new meaning and new purpose to them. And where some people would say they're unrelated, those things don't fit together, they don't, uh, 
They don't have a beauty in themselves. When they are put together, there comes a, a just a, a, a magnificence to them, a new meaning to them. Here's some verses I just want to leave with you. Psalm 34, verse 18. It talks about the beauty of a contrite spirit. And I just saw that coming out of you as you worshipped this morning. But Isaiah 61, verse 3, talks about that he'll make beauty from ashes. And that out of things that sometimes are destructive in our lives or we just are burdened by, God actually turns them into a thing of great beauty. Um, in um, uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 16, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, As you're faithful in the little things, God can make you faithful in much. Haggai 2 9 talks about the glory of the former things is not to be compared to that which is yet ahead. And 2 Corinthians 3 11 says much the same. It says, He will give you a glory that lasts. I just feel like God's saying this, things being put together in your life, Kathy, don't be defined by the things that have roadblocked you or the things that could easily have stopped you because God can bring all those bits and pieces together in a way that will give new beauty and grandeur to your life, to your situation. Does that connect with you? Okay, can we just, maybe you might like to reach your hand out to, to Kathy as well. Thank you for her, Lord, her beautiful gift. We see there, Laura, the beauty of a contrite spirit that came out in her worship. But Lord, I don't know what the beauty for ashes means or, or, or the faithful and little, faithful and much. Lord, I just thank you that you put bits and pieces together in our lives and give new purpose and meaning to them and that the glory of the form is not to be compared to that which is yet ahead. Bless her life, Lord. Empower her and let her see a glory that will last from for many years ahead and will continue to give her a sense of hope for the future in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Um, I might just give one other word. How are we going for time? Huh? Um, there's someone I've just felt up the back in in the in the uh, I don't think it's, I can't see against the light. It's not green hoodie, but is it aqua sort of hoodie up there? Can I give a word to you? I don't know. What's your name? Huh? Adam. Um, you know, the, the, when I was talking about security. I feel like God was wanting to say some things to you about about where your security lies uh, and the challenges of, of trust. One of my grandsons, you know, you put him to bed at night and he's fine if he has his pacifier, his dummy, and he ha- he's fine if he has his little furry friend and he's fine if he, you know, and I've just, I think, I think in life we sh- we're supposed to have Holy Spirit right there like a pacifier with us. And, and Holy Spirit says, it's described as the comforter. The Holy Spirit in John 14, about verse 12, I think it is, says, and I will send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will lead and guide you. There's a guide with you in the midst of your life. And if things sometimes feel like, and you feel insecure, or maybe you're like me, you're a bit risk averse, you know, are you? Or you're a natural risk taker? Both? <laughs> what risk averse or risk taker? You, you take it, take it more carefully. But Holy Spirit, you know, is there to empower your life, Adam, and to be with you. And uh, let me give you some verses that just encourage that. Proverbs three five says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." And what's really important is the heart issues, not the head issues. And, you know, our, our mind can sometimes play all sorts of mind games. But God is saying, trust me from your heart. Um, Philippians 4.6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Wow, that's one of those big scriptures, isn't it? Uh, what's, what are you allowed to be anxious for? <laughs> How many of you live that? <laughs> you know, most of us find something to be anxious about. But here 
the Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication make your request. In other words, as you commit your ways to the Lord, in the verse that I said before, trust him with all your heart. Things will unfold in a way that just take you beyond what you can comprehend and understand with your mind. And you just have a peace that passes understanding. Romans 8.28 talks about things working together for good because there is larger hands working over your life than your own, Adam. And for you and your girls, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says that. And Psalm 56 and verse 3, when when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 40 verse 4, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Now Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the confidence of that which is yet to occur. There's a new level of life for you to live at, Adam, that causes you to not just foolishly plunge into things, but in partnership with the Holy Spirit, walk alongside with him and see where he takes you. Be led by the Spirit, in other words. Psalm 25.1, in you, Lord, I put my trust. In Galatians 5.1, keep in step with the Spirit. Does that connect with you? Okay, well, Adam, my wife's written these verses out for you. And again, if anybody else feels they should have come to you, then go and see Adam afterwards and get a copy of them. Let's pray for Adam. And if you're near him, you may want to just uh, place your hands upon him or towards him. Father, bless this man, Lord, and thank you for his life with his family. And we just pray, Lord, that he will understand more and more to not be constrained by those things that can be roadblocks in our lives, but instead, Lord, could discover afresh what it is to walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, you know, those roadblocks that I mentioned are sometimes caused by numbers of things. Loyalty in itself is great, but misguided loyalty can cause it become a stumbling block for many of us. You know, um, we listen to sermons sometimes that talk around faith and never giving up, never giving up. And so we never give up when we really, perhaps sometimes we should. (laughs) You know, sometimes there's a misguided sense of loyalty that takes us beyond the realm of where God is leading us into the realm of self and just trying to do things in your own strength and ability. Uh, Maybe some of you in your jobs... uh, or in, even in abusive relationships sometimes. We, we feel like we're trapped and we should stay there because of issues of loyalty. And, and yet it's not a loyalty that God demands. It's misguided. It's beyond. And maybe you've become roadblocked because your own thinking needs to be adjusted. Or it might be in areas of, of misguided responsibility where you think, well, you know, we have, this, we have this amazing notion that we alone are the answer to the world. That we're the saviour. Things couldn't happen without me in there. Bottom line is, one day you're not going to be here and the show will go on. You know, the show will go on. And, and, and you know, sometimes we think because of, of, of misguided sense of responsibility, well, I, 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 it's, it's all up to me. I'm the only one that can do this. And we've become roadblocked by wrong thinking or a false sense of obligation. Where, where we sometimes allow ourselves to come under the control of, of personalities that, that, are, that are controlling, that, are, that we're living out their agenda for our lives. And God would say, no, don't become roadblocked by that. Step out into what God would want you to be. And sometimes we're just caught in a whole lot of twisted theology that's caught up in what's the will of God, and this is God's will, and we're supposed to continue on because God has told me to. And we get these wrong notions of what faith looks like, as if we can never, as if moving on would be admitting defeat. Sometimes you need to move on, or you just end up leaving butt prints in the sand. And it's really important to break loose. This morning. Let me just take a few moments longer just to give you a bit of theology here. <laughs> In 1 John, we read about a progression from child to children to young men to fathers. And interestingly, in the Eastern and Western views of adoption, 
uh, our view of adoption is that if you don't have anybody else or, yet, or you're an orphan or you're by yourself, then you may be adopted into a, a family. And so if someone comes out of another family or other, uh, with no family into yours, and many, uh, may, some of you may be adopted, uh, many of you may have adopted children. Uh, my sister's adopted into our family. I treat her as if she was, and I, she is totally my sister. But that's our Western view of adoption. In the Eastern mindset, where Jesus was addressing, where Paul was writing to in the Greco-Roman world, they had a slightly, a very, quite a different view of adoption. And the, the notion was one always of extended families. So you never found a child that became orphan. They were always adopted into someone else's family. And adoption related a lot more about the issues of maturity. And so like we have the bar mitzvahs or the comings of age or, you know, when you step into maturity, you would be finally identified no longer as a child but as a son. You were born a child, a child of your father, but you became a son of your father or a daughter of your father at an age of maturity, at an age of recognition. Until then, you lived under the tutelage of a guide or somebody else who would mature you and develop you. Often a slave in the home was given responsibility. And sometimes these slaves were highly educated people that were taken from other countries of captivity and were brought into the home, particularly Roman homes, to mature and develop the child to an age where they would come into maturity. That was the world that Paul knew. That was the world he was writing his letters into, that adoption was a sign of maturity. You were adopted into the family. You became actually a son when you'd reached maturity. The point being, there were a lot, if you didn't reach it, you would remain a child. And this morning, a lot of the things that God would call you to become adopted as, as sons into are a challenge to the issues of are you going to move on in maturity. Let me put up a couple of things here. So Western view from birth, Eastern view, coming of age. Eastern process is from child to son, placing the full sonship rights. In other words, placing the son, placing of one already a child into full sonship. This is the important statement. A child is one born of God with his nature. They're all that. You're all children of God this morning. But a son is one taught of God with his character. In other words, what Paul was alluding to in, and what many of the passages in here, if you're taking notes, or if, by the way, if you want this PowerPoint, you can get it off the computer and, and uh, access it if you want to reflect on the things I've said uh, more fully. But in that passage, in those passages there, it talks a lot about adoption. But I just want to spend a few moments reading with you the last one, Galatians 4, 4 to 7, which goes like this. And many of you know this passage, but read it now through that different idea of adoption. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, in other words, before that bar mitzvah period or in the coming of age, whatever that is, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. In other words, he's a child, with an, he's a potential heir, but he hasn't come into anything yet. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. And so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elementary spirits of this world. But when the time set when the, time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and we cry, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but at God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, what Paul's talking about here is a process. He's saying he's wooing us forward into, air, into the rights of an heir. And it's not just your legal status, born of, but your moral status transformed into, where your character is changed, where you are becoming more and more like Christ. And the challenge this morning is, are you going to take up that opportunity? I don't have time this morning to look at the life of Joseph, but what you see in Joseph and the story, and many of you are aware of him, a man with a multicoloured coat, a bit like Fiona's this morning. He was a precocious, arrogant, cocky, spoiled brat, a privileged son. And God had a much bigger plan for him than even his own family had. 
Okay, and he goes through the whole process, you may remember, of being taken into slavery, goes through the dreams, and he tries in himself to change himself and could easily have become roadblocked there and remained in prison. But he learnt to come to grips with who God was and to trust the Lord and to move on. And God opened the doors of opportunity because larger hands than his were guiding his destiny as well. And so let me just close off with this. In his amazing book, The Gulag Archipelago, which is probably one of the great bits of literature of the last century, Solzhenitsyn, reflecting on his life in the midst of prison, said this, this quote, If only if it was so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and if it was necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart? He wrote this in the context of the, of the communist purge that was trying to get rid of all the bad, the, the, the capitalist class, and to create this new culture that was supposed to deal and be utopia here on earth. But it never addressed the issue of what was running, as Solzhenitsyn saw, through the divide of the human heart. That every one of us, needs to grow up. Everyone of us needs to be transformed and changed from the inside out. And that's the gospel. That's where the power of Christ came in. And, and Solzhenitsyn discovered that and saw that. The issue is not one of outside change in, but inside change out. And that transformation happens from the heart. And this morning, that's my message to you as well, is that God is here to transform and change you. My anchor verse is this one. Colossians 1, 28 to 29. I quote it so often to myself, I've tried to, I've tried to live my life by it, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's that theme of maturity. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. See, there's a synergy there. There's a coming together of what is my striving, but with his energy. Of me saying, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to see where I could be this time next year. And then as I step out, his energy infuses me and enables me because you can't do this change stuff in your own strength. And that's why God sent Jesus, is that Jesus came into this world to empower us through his Holy Spirit, as I just gave those words to Adam, for all of us to empower us to change and transform. We're going to take communion together and the band's going to come out the front now as we do that. But let me leave this one closing verse with you this morning. Challenges for you to grow up. And in the great passage on love, in the midst of it, where Paul is describing what love is, he says these words, When I was a child, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things what you're going to receive now and those who are giving out communion might like to give it out to us as we do we're going to sing a song and that just talks about being refreshed in our hearts and you have a great opportunity here as you take this communion this morning to remind yourself of moving on in God in fact, I want to invite, if any of you want particular prayer this morning as we finish communion, to come out the front here because Fiona and I would love to pray and give some more specific words to people this morning. But you, you, you receive something now that we, we were told to do in remembrance of Him. And we were told to do it in a way that we would examine ourselves each time we took it. It's a really great reference point to saying, am I different today to what I was yesterday? Not comparing yourself to the people sitting around about you and saying, if only I could be like that. No, if only you could be a bit more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. And here you've got a chance to actually hold a bit of cracker and a little cup, which says, Jesus, I remember who you are. And the only way I can move forward and grow up in you is through your power and presence. I don't want to think as a child anymore. I want to become a grown-up person in this church. Hey, what could this church look like 
if we all took that mandate upon ourselves? What could our effect together be as a group, of, as a community of faith, if we continue to grow up? For some of you who've been Christians long periods of time, as have I, it is so easy to just settle back into where you've been. I pray that God continues to agitate me about what the future might look like. I don't want to retire in the sense of sitting back. I do look forward to running life at a slightly different pace, but you know, there's still so much ahead for many of you in your senior years. Finish well. For those of you who are young in years, don't become roadblocked or defined by situations. You know, I see people in my pastoral context who when I trace back where they've been roadblocked, it was often when they were young in situations that they've never actually moved on from. And you hold in your hands here the power and the presence of Christ and why God said, remember this, remember this son, remember Jesus, is because He had such a grand plan for humanity that become became thwarted by the curse of sin and the law of entropy that started to work in a destructive way to just cause everybody to melt down into something less than what God intended. God had a different view. And His view was one that wasn't the attrition of the human soul, but the elevation of it. And that's what you've got here in your hands, an opportunity to grow in Him and to go forward. Father, we want to grow up in You. Let's stand to our feet. Hold the elements in your hand for a moment. Let's just sing this song through once. Refresh my heart, O Lord. Can we sing that? Thank you, Father. Purify my heart. Purify my heart. what you're choosing this morning to be set apart for the noble purpose that God has he looks down on you and despite your foibles and your weaknesses and your inadequacies he says blow aside by the power of my spirit this morning those roadblocks those things that have defined you and have limited you don't be defined by the past but be refined into a future And that process of refining, we just sang it, purify my heart. When you purify gold, it's not an easy process. There's a lot of heat in it. There's a lot of sludge and gunk that comes to the surface and the slag is taken away and what's left behind is not the impurities anymore, but the pure gold. Father, blow away, take away the dross this morning as you just come and Take away the roadblocks that hinder us. As Paul said it, the sin that so easily bewitches us, that so easily entangles us. Instead, Lord, we we take to ourselves now these symbols that give opportunity for newness of life. And we choose to take personal responsibility for transformation and change. Because the only person that can change us is you. And you can only do it, Lord, as we surrender our will to yours. We're ready to do your will. We just sang it. Now, Lord, not our will, but yours be done by the power of your Son. Let's eat and drink together in Jesus' name.
We're going to sing a final song this morning. It's a meditative song from what I understand. And it gives opportunity for you to just reflect on what God's been saying to you this morning. How can it be? As we sing that song this morning, uh, maybe you would like some personal ministry in the minute as we dismiss the, the service and I'll hand it over to Wayne to do that. But maybe in these closing moments, uh, God isn't finished working here in this space. And there are things that you know have been triggered in your mind, in your thought this morning. Maybe there's security issues or there's trust issues or there's safety issues or some of those things that I talked about earlier that you just go, yeah, I know, I've just... I've become defined by things of the past that are not what God wants me to be. Well, then this morning, that's what this church is about. That's why we're here. A process can commence and can be established here this morning that can lead you forward into an awesome future. It doesn't mean it all happen here in the moment as we lay our hands upon you. It may be that there'll be an ongoing process that the next months and years may still help, but you can start and draw a line in the sand here this morning and say, that's enough is enough. From here on, we move forward. Could you do that? If you want prayer for that, and you don't have to outline what it is, God knows. If I sense a word for you, or Fiona does, we'll share them with you um, in faith. But if you if you were hanging out earlier and you're thinking, boy, I wish you'd given me a word, well, here's your chance. Come out the front and see what God can do. Because I know He's more committed to your growing up than we realise. That's why He gave Jesus. So he looked at humanity and said, you guys can't do it by yourself. For all the law and all that you've been trying to do to reach all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But my grace is sufficient. See where you can go from faith to faith. Bless this church, Lord, in this uh, real season as a year draws towards a close, as new opportunities and vistas open up before them. Take them forward on the journey and may that be outworked individually as well. We don't want to be defined by the roadblocks. But Lord, we want to use these opportunities to unpack some things that now need to, ta- need to be addressed so that we can move on into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.